Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. Today we have returning guest Nicole Amadeo. She first recorded with us when she was on to talk about nursing. This was episode 20, or one of the earlier episodes. But today we get to talk to her about her life, about her childhood, what it was like growing up in California um, as a half Caucasian, half Korean child, and how all of that kind of culminated to her ending up in Georgia as a nurse. And we also get an update of what her hospital looks like now with kind of the resurgence of COVID in Georgia. So thank you guys so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast and we have Nicole back on. Hello, Nicole. Yes. Hello. (laughs) So you... are talking to me again. Of course, of course. Um, (laughs) And the last time you were on, we spoke mainly about your profession as a nurse. But today I wanted to talk more about just your life. Um, Because I feel like, yeah, you have a pretty unique personality. Well, it's not a personality trait, but there's a... (laughs) unique thing about you in that you are half Korean, half Caucasian, for anybody who might not have noticed from your last name. But um, I just feel like, yeah, that would have been an interesting upbringing because um, there's two very different dynamics at play there. Um, So I was hoping to kind of just talk a little bit about that um, and just, yeah, just your life in general for people who want to get to know you more. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. So can we just get, can we just start from the very beginning? Like, where were you born? Like, how was it growing up as a child? Yeah. Um, so I was born, <laughs> I'm hesitant because I watch this like girl on YouTube that tells true crime stories and there's always so much information about the person and I'm paranoid now. <laughs> so it's oh. kind of come after Uh, me i'm just kidding okay but i was born in hawaii because my dad was in the military and then um i wasn't there very long so i used to tell people like i was just born in california because they would say like oh like so are you hawaiian or like what's it like over there and i literally was just born there and then like a couple months later i moved to California. Like, we visited Korea, but we moved to California. So I grew up in California oh. until I was 18. So growing up... So what part I, of California were you in? Yes, that's a good question. <laughs> I was in the suburbs of San Francisco. Oh. Not in the city. Mm-hmm. So Northern California. That's it, that's it. Um, but I grew up with my uh, grandparents, my mom's side. So... My mom is Korean and my dad is like Irish, Italian, white. My dad is white. <laughs> he's, from, <laughs> he's from the East Coast. Uh-huh. But like, um, yeah, I grew up with my grandparents also. So I learned kind of all my Korean culture stuff from them slash my mom. Mm. Um, but I don't know. For me, it wasn't really different because that's all I knew. So I thought everyone kind of like grew up with their like grandparents or like, because even like church, it would be a Korean church. So I just, I don't know. Growing up half Korean, half white, I didn't really notice Mm. anything when I was younger. So I just. When you were growing up with your grandparents, did they, like, for example, if you went to school, 
Did they ever pack you like Korean food for lunch and things like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, actually, uh-huh. <laughs> it. I have this memory in my head. I don't know what grade I. I think I was in like second grade or something, and my mom. You know, like that the ojingo and it's or squid. I'm sorry, <laughs> the squid that's uh-huh. like marinated in the red. Oh yeah, the spicy sauce. <laughs> I love yes. that stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I love it to this day. Uh-huh. And my mom would pack that and just rice in Tupperware and just send me to school. So mm-hmm. when I was eating it, like, man, so like Northern California or where I was growing up, there were still a lot of Asian kids, like not a lot of white kids, like yeah. Chinese or Filipino, you know, like I wasn't. The, I didn't feel like the minority or whatever, but okay. still, like they would look at my food and be like, "Ew, why is it red? What's that?" <laughs> but I didn't care. Mm. I was like, "It's really good." <laughs> Just then, ate it. Did you tell them that it was squid, and did they freak out even? More? I don't think I knew what it was. Uh. I just knew this is good stuff. You you want one? Uh. But you know. So did I anyone ever like kind of question you because on the exterior you don't really look that asian you know what i mean i that's true i i don't know i get mixed responses like some people can tell so they don't even ask Mm. they're like oh you're you're asian you know or i've gotten russian before too but Mm. for the most part no one really like it's kind of a mixed response but they will ask like oh where are you from Mm. or like I guess that the question is like, what are you basically? So, but then when I was younger, the kids wouldn't really ask. I guess I don't really remember anyone really asking me and me having to explain why oh. I look like this. That's you know actually I think the fact that you grew up in California serves you well because I grew up in LA as well, like the suburbs of LA, uh-huh. and there were so many Asian people that when I first moved there from Korea. It wasn't that big of a deal. The the transition yeah. wasn't that bad, huh? That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, California is like, kind of like that. It's mm. just I didn't feel weird or different at all. No, oh, that's good. <laughs> maybe maybe later when I grew up a little bit more. Hmm. When I got older, like older as in like when she moved to Georgia or <laughs> that's another. I mean, like high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like high school I started to. Because another thing, I grew up in private school all my life. I went to a Christian school from like kindergarten all the way through <laughs> eighth grade. Uh-huh. I was pretty sheltered. Um, so then high school, I went to a public school. And then oh, <laughs> a whole new world. <laughs> so different. So uh-huh. different. But like good. I really appreciated hmm. that. So, but, um, I mean, did you realize that you were sheltered? when you went to a public school um, or like how, how was that mental transition from going to a school that was private to a school that was public like how did that look um, like well I think I felt like I was sheltered when like new students would come to our private school so when I was like in junior high like sixth seventh eighth grade there were some new like transfer students but they were from public schools so Everyone in my class, we kind of all attended since we were young Hmm. and continued on. So we kind of like knew each other for like our whole lives, basically. So then when new students came from public schools, I was like, 
really scared because <laughs> I wasn't used to like new faces and then also they were like very free mm. <laughs> like our uniforms they would wear it differently and like our shoes you would have to wear you know black and white mm -hmm. but then this girl would show up with some red converse and you know like Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> you're not supposed to wear those yeah. but then she made it look really cool mm. <laughs> then I wanted to do that mm. um, so I think that's when I was like oh interesting <laughs> a little sheltered huh. was it like uh, did you ever watch uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air Yes, but I... Because when Will Smith goes to his private school, he, like, <laughs> wears his jacket, like, inside yeah, out. Yeah, he was, like, really cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, I am Carlton. <laughs> uh, so, you know, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because something that me and my wife talk about often is um, what should we send or should we consider sending our child to private school versus public? But mm -hmm. having gone through both, what would, what would you recommend? Um, I think going to private school when I was like younger, you know, like elementary and things like that, it was really helpful because they include um, like chapel, which was really boring, but I remember things from it. And also they have like a Bible curriculum. So they'll go through Bible stories or like verses and Bible verse tests. So like I think through my elementary um, schooling, I remember those lessons and it kind of sticks with me because you know when you're younger like you remember Sunday school so imagine going to school and like hearing that and being surrounded by those values like it kind of sticks hmm. and then um, I don't know like I think going throughout like your whole schooling it's you're being robbed of um, yeah like the rest of the world like not everyone is in private school and mm -hmm. not everyone thinks like you do that's kind of a minus in private school because you have these values that are like core and if you're like thinking differently i mean they're not gonna it's not so serious in elementary school no one's like i have an opinion you know <laughs> but when you get older you you want to develop your own like you know gather mm. all the facts and information and then have you know but i think having a biblical foundation really helped me kind of stick with my roots mm. as i went to high school because i always came back to it like the foundation like even if my mind kind of veered like oh but i don't know what about this the thought process but then i would kind of be reminded or the habit of like but bible mm. <laughs> so i don't know i think it's good to have a balance and do, so. do you like the fact that you went kind of in your early years, but then moved to public in high school? For sure. I think, like, there's more freedom. <laughs> I keep saying that. I was never, like, held captive <laughs> or anything. But it's just more free. <laughs> you can wear whatever you want. You can express yourself. Um, I don't know what private schools like these days. But, I mean, it is really expensive. If mm. It's not affordable. I mean, it's not like you're going to lose something if you don't go to a private school. That's not, you know, like if you can go, why not? It's nice. But your whole school career, no. Because <laughs> gotcha. my private school actually added a high school after I graduated. And I was like, my dad was like, I can't do this. I can't pay for it yeah. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Public school. <laughs> I see. So, and then, and you said that you moved in when you were 18, right? Was that straight yes. to Georgia? 
Yes. So my parents, when I was in, um, I don't even know how old I was, maybe fifth grade. I'll just say fifth grade. They got divorced. So my mom ended up moving to Southern California. So I stayed with my dad until high school. And then after high school, when I was 19, I moved to Southern California to live with my mom. I wasn't... I wasn't applying to like universities or anything like that. I just, my dad was very free with me. Mm. <laughs> he he was a very good um, parent when it came to like the divorce and raising me on his own. He didn't put any kind of pressures on me. Like he just made sure I had everything I needed and like maybe wanted even, try to keep me preoccupied. He even went, like took me to counseling <laughs> oh, wow. after the divorce. Like he was a really good single parent Mm. i think yeah like good job dad i really like i really appreciate like in hindsight Uh um so i moved after high school to southern california and then i just went to a community college yeah which one which costa mesa no Uh. it's in costa mesa orange coast college okay occ Mm. i loved it there so much it was clean like I just I had no friends. I didn't I didn't know how to <laughs> make friends. So like my first year there, I just went to classes. But I really enjoyed, um, yes, I I enjoyed going back home. I didn't so I don't know the dorm life or anything like that because I think my whole college career is not very traditional either. Mm. Um, so nineteen moved with my mom, went to community college, and then I was only in Southern California for a year though, and then we moved to Georgia. You know when you think you're going to be, like, living your whole entire life in one state? Uh Uh-huh. Like, why would you ever leave California? Like, why would you do that? But, you know, here here I am. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very, very hard move. Mm. Because all my friends, honestly, all my friends were in Northern California. So then moving to Southern California even was a really hard decision. Because mm. I don't like, I'm not adventurous. I like to just be comfortable. I know, I want to know where like everything is. I want to be comfortable, you know. I don't like new things, basically. So then moving to Southern California was like another adjustment I had to make. I made really great friends though. I got to know really like great people at a church. Mm. GMI. <laughs> but, um, I was only there for a year and then I had to move again. And so for me, it was really painful because I thought like, man, I finally like have friends. I didn't think I was going to make any. And then like now I have to move to another state and Georgia. Honestly, like why? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not even like, you know, up north, like, you know, northeast, like, you know, Pennsylvania or like New York, Mm -hmm. like, no, Georgia, the south. I don't know anything about the south. Like. Uh, all my friends were like, you're going to say y'all now. And I'm like, never. <laughs> but it slips here yeah, and there. Yeah. And just for context, because for, I realized a lot of people in, in Georgia think that San Francisco and like Southern California, I assume like the L.A. area, people think that that's close because it's in the same state. It's not close no. at all. Yeah. It's like an eight hour drive. Yeah. Yeah. So Seven. Because we drove down. <laughs> Right. It's, it's pretty much here in like New York. Um, so mm-hmm. 
just just in case people were wondering why she was upset about going to Southern California. Oh, yeah. Y'all look at a map. Like, (laughs) if you compare the ends, like California (laughs) reaches all the way down here. If you look on this side, there's like five states. (laughs) So it's pretty far. It's pretty far. So why did the move to Georgia happen? So California got really expensive. (laughs) Mm. So my mom's business even, like, too much competition in um, California or where she was at and so like also living costs it's just it's you know it's it's just super expensive in California northern and southern so Georgia though I mean houses are more affordable Um, like what you would pay for in California would I mean like let's say you pay this amount and you can only get maybe like a one-bedroom apartment whereas if you spent that over here you can get something like maybe even a home yeah like it's just the price is, yeah. I don't know, it was more worth it for her to move over here. And we had, I had an aunt that already moved here from Korea mm. to, like, from Korea to Georgia. And so she kind of talked to her and was like, how is it? And they looked around and made the decision. And I mean, some some of my friends, sometimes they're like, why didn't you just stay in, um, like, you know, Southern California? But again... I'm just not that type. Mm. I wish I was. Like, yeah, I'll just find my own place and stay here. But, yeah, I just wasn't that cool. You know, I had to follow my mom uh, <laughs> and then moved here and, to Georgia. And just so people understand the price difference, I, I only know this because I lived in Southern California, too. Um, if you can get, like, in Georgia, you can get a five-bedroom house for, like, 300000 or, like, 400000 Right, I knew a friend in Southern California who had a five-bedroom home. Um, he had a pool in his backyard, but it was two million dollars. So yeah. the price difference isn't insignificant. It's very staggering. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I could totally understand. And I think uh, around that time is when a lot of Korean Americans actually moved from California to to Georgia. Um, there was a huge influx of Asian Americans from other parts of the U.S. into Georgia. Like when people realized that the real estate here was really cheap and the cost of living was super cheap. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, I would like drive around and like if I saw a California license plate, I'd be like, oh my gosh, yes, everyone's coming. <laughs> okay, so it's not just me. Yeah. Like there was hope. Yeah. Like I hope I run into someone I know, but no. So. Well, uh, kind of. But, wait, have you? Yeah. Have you ever run into anyone you knew from California here? Yeah. Oh. Actually. How did that yes. happen? Well, I don't want to, like, mention them. Oh, okay, okay. Because what if they don't want to be known? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> or associated with me. <laughs> uh. Just kidding. But um, there are. And then I had another friend that um, went to school here from, where, where, where was he at? Maybe. We went to the same high school, and then he went to um, a university here for schooling. So I saw him. and. Mm. It was just, you know, here and there, random. Yeah, yeah, see, there you go. It's not a that unique of a move. But right. I can totally understand your feeling um, of having to, like, growing up in California and having to live here. Because I didn't go through the same thing, because I only lived in California for six years of my life, from kindergarten until sixth grade. But mm-hmm. I, I was still, like, devastated. You know, I was why georgia of all places yes i can only imagine for you having to make that move 
<laughs> yeah. And then, like, this was, I guess, how long? 10 years ago. Mm. I mean, a lot of the things that we have now weren't around. Like, yeah. boba was not a thing. Mm. <laughs> you had to drive really far to go get it. Mm-hmm. Now it's, you know, down the street. I don't know. That's just one example. But, like, it's gotten a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Like, when I came here, there was barely any Korean food. You would have to go to, like, Beaufort Highway to get anything mm-hmm. decent. Mm-hmm. Um, that's rough yeah there was a lot of just trees all over the place (laughs) yeah oh my gosh i was like where are the people at it's all trees why are there so many trees yeah it's so different Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for sure but but it's good now i want to kind of go back and ask you about um growing up with your dad because you said your parents split when you were in fifth grade right so Mm -hmm. does that mean at that point you were just living with your dad for an extended yes. period of time? So it's very um, interesting. I just remember some parts of it. Mm-hmm. So I remember the house that we were living in. And then I remember <laughs> when my dad told me that they were getting a divorce. And then um, we stayed in that house. My mom moved actually and then I stayed with my dad in that house and then um, my grandmother my mom's mom also stayed with us so my grandmother kind of raised me like I guess as my mom Hmm. but I also had an aunt that lived um, close by too my mom's sister so I did have like I was raised with love Hmm. (laughs) even though like my mom wasn't around but my dad um, yeah I lived with my dad and then when I was going to high school, we had to move because we want. I needed to go to a uh, this high school. <laughs> mm. It was. It was just a. I think it was just a better neighborhood than where we were at. Mm. And the high school that I would have gone to, my dad made very good decisions. <laughs> <laughs> he knew me so well. Uh. It's like the high school I think that I would have gone to would have been like, just I don't know if I would have adapted very well. Like, the high school that I did go to, Mills High School, it was, like, in a, um, what do I want to call it? It wasn't, like, a retirement community, really. It's just a quiet area. Mm. Um, just, I don't even know how else to describe it. Just very suburby and, like, clean and, I don't know. I, I felt safe there. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if safe is the word. It just It was just a nice neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So... Um, we moved there, so then I went to high school, to that high school, and mm. then, um, <clears throat> uh, man, it was rough because my dad had a downsize, and I think that was really hard for me. Uh-huh. We downsized twice because, you know, my dad's single parent. Right. We're not making the same amount anymore. So <clears throat> at one point, my grandmother also moved out um because we had to downsize a lot <laughs> mm. to like a one bedroom so my dad stayed in the living room and i stayed in the bedroom so it's kind of like that it wasn't bad though i will say like my dad made sure like i never felt like i lacked anything or like was missing out on anything like i was wow. i adapted very well yeah my dad was i can't say it enough he just did a really good job that's awesome um, wow. And he was a dad. Man, I had to write, you know, okay, as a girl, <laughs> you go through changes, right? Mm. Like, I had to write him post-it notes. <laughs> dad, I need to go get some 
some of this stuff and I would just stick it on his desk. And then he would just drive there and I would just get it and then, you know, come home. <laughs> and then there would be moments where I'm like, I need eyeliner. Can you can you go buy some eyeliner? So then my dad would go to Walgreens and like pick a few because he doesn't know what he's doing. Right, right. And then he would give it to me and then I just, I guessed. I didn't know how to do it. I just figured it out rough times rough oh, rough wow. times because we didn't have like youtube back then <laughs> to have like people show you how to put eyeliner on mm -hmm. but yeah so i my dad pretty much raised me till 18 and then i think my aunt was like you need like your mom now yeah <laughs> so i think part of me agreed and i also think part of it was god like not changing my mind but kind of like tugging because i don't know how i left my dad mm. after that you know it's hard you know yeah i'm sure because because i didn't see my mom uh the entire time that wow. since the divorce mm -hmm. so from fifth grade <clears throat> until you were 18 you didn't see her mm -hmm. maybe like once or twice in the like beginning and then just i mean i don't know hmm. i don't have a car like what yeah, yeah am i gonna drive you know it's it was just hmm. also for me it's like out of sight out of mind yeah almost that's kind of how i am so but <clears throat> but when you were so when you were living with your dad your maternal grandmother like your mom's side grandmother also lived with you how, how was that like again my dad is a very good guy wow. <laughs> he um my aunt would take care of her and stuff like give her things that she needs and like financially i don't know what the situation was but like um my grandmother, my dad kind of just wanted her around so that, like, I could, like, you know, have Korean food or, like, have someone at the house to, like, kind of take care of me. Yeah. Because um, he was working all the time. So, I don't know. With my grandmother, though, because I've lived with her since I was, you know, baby. Because my grandfather passed away when I was, like, seven. So, my grandmother continued to stay with us. So, you know that's all i knew and it again it was like i thought everyone lived with their grandparents uh, i don't i thought it was weird if you didn't live with your grandparents mm -hmm. um so it was really nice to um have her around and i think like during my puberty moments or episodes like she got the brunt of it <laughs> uh. like my grandma would have to bear my attitude so it was hard i'm sure i i even like feel bad about it but then I remember she was we were walking outside one day and I told her like you know I'm like treating you like I would treat my mom you know so like when I get mad at you don't don't take it personally mm. <laughs> I I just I think I kind of knew like these things happen and I would normally be you know yelling at my mom but she's not here so I'm pointing it at you so don't be mad <laughs> oh yeah kind of because, you know, she's my grandma. Like, yeah. who does that to their grandma? It's so disrespectful. <laughs> but, uh, listen, uh, you know, I didn't have an outlet. <laughs> yeah, for sure, yeah. <clears throat> so was your, was your father's grandmother, or, like, your father's mother, was she not in the area? Or? No, my dad's entire family is in Pennsylvania. Oh, I see, I see. So we would make trips and visit, like, during the summers. Gotcha. So, so, yeah. Then when you moved from Northern California to your mom in Southern California, did your grandma mm -hmm. come with you? Or was she still... She... 
good question i forgot about that so she lived in um san francisco for a couple years on her own so while i moved down um she had her own like kind of apartment there and then a couple years later me and my mom went and picked her up and dragged her over here to Georgia. <laughs> <I see. laughs> and I'm curious about that too, because you te- you said you were in a college for a year in Southern California, but your mom decided to move to Georgia. So does mm-hmm. that mean that you transferred schools to Georgia? I or? did. Oh. Mm-hmm. So like when I first moved to Georgia, it was rough. Like I really thought we were going to move back. I hated it here so much. You know, Blockbuster was still around, so I, I just rented movies for three months and watched them. This might be sounding weird, but let me tell you something about movies. <laughs> like, if that's all you do and that's all you're watching, it gets a little dark. Even if you're watching, like, a safe genre, like, there's something. You just don't feel, like, whole. <laughs> and then, yeah, I don't know. So I learned. Don't just watch movies for three months straight. There's a message there, and it's not good. Huh. But I, yeah, I felt that. And so Blockbuster went away. <laughs> and then um, You make I it sound like to... you, like, caused it going away. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, I prolonged their opening, okay? I made them survive two more months. Mm. <laughs> but um, I really put off... Um, registering for school and starting up again. So I think I took a year off. It just happened to be a year. And my mom didn't say anything because she knew not to touch me. (laughs) (laughs) It's very sensitive, okay? Very sensitive. Um, But I think at some point I was like, you know, I I just got to go back to school. I'm surprised she didn't push me. Mm. It's crazy. I think like if I think of my mom, like... She's Korean, first of all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the drive for school and education is there. But I don't, I think she knew, like, I just needed time. And I came around on my own. Um, so I went to Georgia Perimeter College mm-hmm. in Dunwoody. <clears throat> so I think Georgia State kind of bought them. I don't know how it works, but mm-hmm. they're under Georgia State now. But when I went, they were just a community college on their yeah. own. So I, I started back up then <laughs> and uh i don't know finding a major was hard like figuring out what i wanted to do was really hard just did the general education i was going to do early childhood because i thought that's what i wanted but i don't know <laughs> you know like kids i i chose early childhood education because i was like i am not gonna learn like hard math i can't teach that mm. and like science and stuff like that but you know like a b c easy <laughs> one two three yeah. but it's harder because they absolutely don't know what it is so mm. you have to teach them <laughs> that's like the hardest thing to do yeah and like reading oh my gosh like coloring staying inside the line this is all very hard to teach <laughs> like the easiest stuff the foundational basic stuff is the hardest thing to teach i mm. feel like so mm-hmm. shout out to teachers i'm so glad i didn't do that <laughs> i'm really glad i didn't do that i wouldn't be a very good one <laughs> no patience um so, so did, I, you, did you actually take like early childhood education classes and you i found did that, i see I did. I had to sit in and do hours and, you know, like, observe and do all that stuff. And mm-hmm. 
It was just not what I wanted to gotcha. do. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so then, yes. did you make the jump to, you know, wanting to do nursing straight from where you were in child, early childhood education, or did you have to like dabble and explore other things first? I still didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I just knew it wasn't early childhood education, and then I was like, well, then now what? Because then I thought, oh, maybe English major and then, you know, do tutoring or whatever. That was Mm. another idea. But then I was like, oh, you know, actually, even when I was in Southern California, I wanted to do design. I wanted to do fashion design, but it just never worked out. And I started moving. So then I thought, oh, like I've lost my touch. Mm. (laughs) And my mom said it's a hobby. So (laughs) let me just not pursue that. Mm. And then uh, my uncle my mom's brother he's a doctor in korea but actually he went on missions to like the middle east like like as a doctor and Mm so he really felt like it was a useful tool like medicine like you'll always have a job but then not only that like if you wanted to use it to like you know help people like it's always needed Mm -hmm. (laughs) people are always sick so he felt like you know why not think of like think about doing that and i think if it came from my mom it has come from my mom i said no i said i hate blood like i'm gonna kill people i don't know what i'm doing you know like the confidence level was real low (laughs) Uh but then when my uncle told me i think because it came from like a male figure it just kind of it it sounded logical instead of like greedy (laughs) is that bad does that sound bad that's how i think (laughs) i feel like when it comes from like a woman Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe not a woman okay in my life at least if it came from like an aunt or like my mom there's like an alternative well what am i trying to say like Like ulterior motive motive? ulterior motive Mm. jeez good thing i didn't go with that english (laughs) major um but i don't know why i think it's just how i was raised maybe it's more i shouldn't shouldn't have said women don't (laughs) come at me (laughs) maybe it's more of uh like the way that you perceive your mom and the way that you perceive your father because like it sounds like you really trusted your dad and he Mm -hmm. really like i guess gave it to you straight right so yeah maybe that's why push anything on me Mm. like it was always very like what do you want like you know like he trusted my choices i guess yeah so when it came from my uncle like i i trusted Mm. okay yeah i'll give it some thought (laughs) even though my mom said the exact same thing yeah yeah. (laughs) oh she's gonna be so like all (laughs) good anyways Uh uh, so when he said that i really thought about it and then i started to get like ambitious and i thought Mm. you know what let's try so i had a oh my gosh i had to start all over i had to take my prerequisites for nursing and it's all science whereas early childhood education is not science at all <laughs> it's like totally different i just start all over again um, i basically spent too long at gpc <laughs> but i got them all done my prerequisites and then i only applied to one nursing school because i was in a hurry mm-hmm. and they wanted the least requirements like they didn't want extra testing or an extra like class or anything like that so mm-hmm. i just applied and then got in and that so was for emory? me that was what that was emory yeah they really didn't want oh. too much interesting they just 
prerequisites and um i yeah i don't know uh god yeah. <laughs> there we go yeah <laughs> the lord i literally when i got in i was like i know now jesus <laughs> you you wanted this <laughs> but yeah, for me i really like it wasn't like oh like i want to help people and this has always been what i wanted like it was never for me it, nursing was not that it mm. just it really just fell into my lap and i feel guilty about it sometimes but you know it's not always like that you know mm-hmm. sometimes you don't know what you want and then when it comes to you you're like oh this is nice mm. i think this suits me and you know it just so that's how i got into nursing i guess you know it's not very extravagant <laughs> it's interesting to me because when i think of emory as a nursing school i think of it as like top tier in georgia at least right so to hear right. that the that was kind of your path of least resistance that's very interesting to hear (laughs) i mean i don't because the deadlines were all different i Uh. think georgia state and mercer and um anyway those were the only two i was really looking at Mm -hmm. the requirements for georgia state were they were all different but the one that i filled like fulfilled emory (laughs) and like i just thought you know let's just go and then in my head i was like if i don't get it in then then I'm going to apply for, you know, Mercer and Georgia State because their deadlines are, you know, different or mm. the requirements. I would need more time to finish those requirements. So I had a plan, but mm. it was going to be that year because <laughs> mm. I was old. How old was I? I was like 25. And then everyone I went to school with was like, you know, 21, 22. Uh. So even now in the workplace, like... I'm pretty behind, or I feel that way. Like everyone is really young, or um, they're my age, but have been in nursing for, you know, like seven, six, seven years, and I'm only in my what third year. So I am pretty like late, but you know, there's everyone has their own timeline. For sure, no, that's (laughs) that's so true, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's something that the listeners can take away. the timing yeah, of it I, really doesn't matter if I if right. I think about it. Yeah, it's something I struggle with a lot. Like mm. the whole timeline thing. Even being like half Korean and half white. Like I think my biggest struggle with it was I just wasn't fully one thing. Like I was always in the middle, mm. or like and then even grades. Like I was never failing, but I was never really like thriving either. Just just average. Mm. And I think in me i always wanted to be like hot or cold i hated being in the middle but then like that's who i am well (laughs) you know you're half and half what can you do but um but then you know it it's it's nice because like you get to see i like to see see it as like the best of both worlds like you know yeah i don't know anyways um but like timeline wise even today like I don't think it ever goes away. Like, you know, you could be married, you could be having children, you can be like, you know, buying a house, you know, all this stuff. But Mm. then I always complain to God, like, why does my timeline, like, did you like not connect it here or somewhere? Like, what, what is wrong with my timeline? Uh It's like hilly Uh (laughs) where everyone else seems to be straight. But Mm. I mean, I'm sure everyone has like, you know, different, their timelines all look a little different. I'm always just thinking mine looks extra different. But yeah, I always have to remind myself like everyone's looks different. Like, and then in God's ultimate timeline, like, you know, you're just, 
you know, like a little dot. So don't worry about it. So yeah. I just uh, try to keep thinking that way. And like, you know, James is always telling me, um, you know, stop comparing your timeline. Yeah. And stay in your lane. <laughs> so I try to do that. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, James is a, her pastor boyfriend. Oh, yeah. I was trying to keep him out of it. I wanted to <laughs> just be me. Okay, all right. <laughs> we won't talk about him then. <laughs> okay, so... Yes, I am more than that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, then I, I wanted to talk to you um, a little bit about nursing as well then, because we, our first podcast together, we did kind of talk about your nursing journey. So, yes. for those of you guys who don't know about it, please go back and listen to that. It was super interesting. But I'm... I'm interested in hearing about the current state of nursing right now in America, because as you guys know, I mean, COVID, people, some people call it a second wave. Other people are saying this is still the first wave. We're just seeing a resurgence of how are, how are things in the hospitals? Um, I can only speak for mine. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're kind of like a smaller hospital, but we had to kind of adapt to the number of cases. So um, we would normally only have like maybe 10 ICU beds, um, but we had to expand it to the entire floor. So basically any room on our unit can be an ICU. So now we went from like a 10 bed to like a 20 something bed um, ICU unit. So, and then on top of that, they're building um, more rooms like another temporary building to hold more patients. So I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I guess I do know, but I don't know. Like mm. it might be a second wave. I don't know. Or maybe it's just the numbers are still just going back up. I I don't know why or how. I guess mm. it can be like, oh, no one's wearing masks and this and that. But I can't speak to that. Mm. But I can speak to like the experience of like, being a nurse during these times, from the beginning till now, we've had to be, um, we had to be very flexible um, with uh, protocols and PPE um, and just how we take care of the specific patient group, like COVID patients. Mm. Um, it's It was really hard for me personally because in the beginning when it was first starting and it wasn't a lot of numbers, they were very um, strict with PPE. Like they treated it almost like Ebola, you know, like the right. whole thing. But then when the numbers started increasing, like the demand for PPE, like, you know, it we're running out. And mm -hmm. so we had a downgrade. So it's harder to downgrade, you know? And then you become like, oh my gosh, we were running out of everything. And, you know, you feel like you're not protected. Um, like as a nurse, like they're telling you to, you know, like, kind of sacrifice yourself it felt like that's what it felt like this mm. isn't what they were intending but this is what it felt like um we were still given everything that we needed i know like in other hospitals like in new york and stuff like that they had a way worse way way worse and like even now i hear like nurses and doctors that were there when it was at the worst in new york city when they volunteer to help other states they're like <laughs> they're like bad butt people like they mm. just you know because they've been through the worst so they're like oh don't worry about it like i got this and you know they're wearing like the least amount of ppe and they're not phased because they saw it was so bad and mm -hmm. so they say like compared to new york it's nothing 
um, and I believe it, but um, it's just hard because this type of patient group so the ppe is one thing it's mm-hmm. like it's very uncomfortable like the n95 masks is what we have to wear and it's very tight fitting it's not meant to be worn for 12 hours but um my unit because we don't have like negative pressure in every room um we have to wear it the whole day it really oh, wow. sucks mm-hmm. it just i'm like getting wrinkles and pimples okay <laughs> like Ugh, I bought skincare and it's just, I don't think it's fixable, <laughs> but I, it's better than getting COVID, right? right? So we have to wear that. But then on top of it, like the care for these patients, when they get sick, they get sick like, like that. I just snapped like mm. very quickly. Mm. Um, they come into the emergency room and they're, you know, breathing okay, but they're still short of breath. By the time they come to us a couple days, they're on like high amounts of oxygen and they can't move. They're barely able to eat because they have to keep that mask on. And you just see patients deteriorate really quickly. Um, Mm. It depends on each patient. Not everyone is the same. Um, So I can't say like every person that has COVID is like this. It's not true. But I see the worst cases, I think. Um, Like not in Georgia, but like in the hospital. The Mm. worst cases come to us um and so it's hard even the age you know i know with school starting up again (laughs) i see a lot of high school or whatever kids like i i'm sorry i went out i went to avalon i went shopping once okay Mm. i needed socks so Mm. i went out and i wanted to pick them and touch them so i went (laughs) um but there were a lot of kids just walking around without any masks on and Um, It was just very like interesting. It's different times and you know when I was young I was a little reckless, but I guess it's just the thought process. They don't think they'll get it and um, There's something called there's like um, a Test you can take not a test really, but it just kind of analyzes your COVID age Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you can put in your age your ethnicity some comorbid like whatever health issues you might have um, lab values and it'll calculate what COVID sees your age as so you might be 22 but COVID looks at you and says "Mm -mm, you're 55 and then you'll kind of like (laughs) yeah so you really like can't say well I'm so young it's not gonna affect me it's just not true and you just never know I think that's the scariest thing is that we don't really know set in stone things about this you know about this virus it's just it keeps throwing curveballs at us like it'll make you throw clots Um, people get strokes while they're (laughs) having this virus and you know you just have to keep looking out for everything and um, there's patients that do recover but the long-term effects it's like chronic lung disease and I feel like in the future that's what we're going to see just the scarring that it leaves in the lungs it, it affects your breathing you might not have the virus anymore but the you know the effects of it 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 lasts Mm. Um, so it's kind of hard to see and they're very debilitated they have to do a lot of rehab and yeah it's just a nasty virus man it's just very not okay Mm. um, and very unfortunate Um, and to speak to like the mental (laughs) aspect of it like as a nurse I, I think I can speak for all my coworkers. we've all had a patient that really Um, shook us we try not to I try not to get too attached anymore because you never know Um, like our managers will cry like um, 
really like veteran nurses they're also in tears because it's just never easy like no matter what the illness is even if it's like oh they're gonna die it's like well still they're a human being and like you get to know them and like it's just so unfortunate because you're the ones telling them like like what do you tell them i had a patient that he was like i'm just so tired and he was like i just want to die and like i'm like oh my god like i was like what do i say i i feel like and then I put myself in his shoes and I'm just like, I mean, I would too. Like, this is horrible. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you tell someone, no, it's going to be okay. Like, you'll be fine. Like, I couldn't even say that because the moment I say that, <laughs> like, I might be lying. So I didn't know what to say. So I, I was just like, no, let's keep fighting. Like, here, let's eat. Like, you have to eat and do this. And, you know, it was really, this patient really lasted for me because uh, I bonded with him. <laughs> he showed me pictures of his like grandchildren and stuff like that and then you know I really thought he was going to get better but you know when I came back like he had died that morning so I was like it like really messed me up that day because I I had just told him like you know I had just spoken with his wife too and said oh he's doing fine like he ate and he's like you know just resting now and then that's why it's like I I don't know what to say sometimes and you know you never they tell you never to you know give them false hope you know but it's like man what do you say I just don't have the words and I think right now because we're still in it like we're like running on this it's not adrenaline but you just don't really have time to just sit down and rest and think about it but if and when this all passes I think a lot of nurses are gonna like look back and reflect and just yeah have kind of a hard time like processing it when we do have that downtime too so that's why we're trying to like tell each other like oh you need to you know self-care you need to talk it out like if you have to cry just let it out and I think my um unit at least the culture it's very like safe with that and I really appreciate um everyone I work with because yeah we really do take care of each other and if someone's overwhelmed or like crying like there's a really great support system and um, I think that's really important when it comes to the workplace because it's very high stress when things go down it like really goes down like you have to work together and you know when it passes then it's like okay you did good good job and you know like it's just little things that really matter um, so I, ugh, yeah, nursing, had I known it was going to be like this, would I have gone to school for nursing? No. <laughs> if I'm honest, no, I don't know if I would. I'm like a early childhood, maybe education, like, oh, I guess I'll do nursing and then boom, <laughs> this wow. hits. But I think, um, no regrets though. Mm. I think God knew, like, had this happened, you would never have gone into it. So um, apply, go to school, <laughs> get ready, and now you're in it. <laughs> mm. So, but I, I, um, I'm glad. I do enjoy going to work, though. As stressful as it is, I look forward to it almost because, um, yeah, there's some. I guess it's something I can do. I'm not the best all the time. Okay, I have my days. There are more like bad Nicole days at work than good Nicole <laughs> days. I'm going to be very honest, but I think the fact that um, you're, this is what I wanted to do, like to do in a sense that when 
someone is at their most vulnerable state, like to be someone that encourages them. I think that's what I wanted to do. And I'm not the best at it, but I'm learning. And I think that's what this time is really helping me do is like tap into that, you know, like kind of get over the whole task list and giving out meds and try to now try to learn how to connect with the patient and kind of just, man, encourage them. Like I can't imagine thinking like this is, a death sentence and like just waiting you know mm. um so yeah are, this mm-hmm. are, are you taking care of yourself like are you me to, like, yeah. yeah i'm shopping <laughs> that's good that's good <laughs> i take care of myself with um like <laughs> i recently bought um a bag for work <laughs> like there you that's, go i treated right. myself and <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there are healthier things I could be doing. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I think I, I do take care of myself. I don't let myself um, get too burnt out because this is not going away. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I'm very proud of nurses. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, you know, that's a, a side of COVID nursing that I don't think people hear very often. Um, kind of the mental stress that it not not just I mean even aside from the fact that you're having to be so cautious all the time worried about catching it worried about possibly spreading it to your friends and family but also you know because I'm sure I mean look just looking at the number of deaths that we have COVID related it's a lot of nurses are experiencing what you experienced with your patient so even that kind of mental stress i don't even mental trauma maybe even um yeah yeah i mean because you know before all this like patients still passed Mm. they still died but it wasn't like this you know this is another thing that really wrecked me like i was imagining because there was one patient in the very beginning the first patient that i had that passed from covid i just couldn't handle it because the wife was able to visit but the last time she saw him she was like I mean I was talking to him I dropped him off and that's literally the last time she saw him and then she gets a phone call saying hey like he's on the you know breathing machine and then the next phone call is like hey like you have to make a decision and I just can't imagine that you know like you just drop off your loved one and you think um like they're gonna be there a week and come back you know and they don't and like yeah yeah, i don't know i just i think that part i've kind of had to block out because this isn't going away this is like what i'm talking about like later on like i think when we all look back on this and kind of reflect on all those patients we took care of and family members like it's gonna be like dang like we went through a lot yeah. and then because then you think like what if it were my own and then you just kind of stop like you can't really keep going and like um entertaining that thought because it's it's too hard and it's unfortunate but because it's so like like frequent that we have these patients it's hard to like keep that compassion almost sometimes because you just have to keep going and this person isn't the only one like actually you're one of many so how how do we keep that like compassion for them even though it's like it's just happening so much and so often with so many people it's like hard to 
give them all that care. I think that's that's hard too. So I have to keep reminding myself, like, Nicole, like, this is their one and only, you know? Like, to you, it's one of many patients, but for them, it's like they're one and only. So you can't talk to them like it's they're just one of many patients. It's like, right. this is their one. So you have to... <laughs> it slips my mind. Like, you know, yeah, it's very yeah. hectic. So I always feel bad. Like, and I always try to, like, you know, get my... <laughs> hey, sure, call anytime. But even that we don't allow. And we don't allow visitors. And right. Yeah, it's it's kind of, it's just the worst time to have someone in the hospital or you yourself be in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah. then let me ask you a question. Um, for listeners who have family members or friends who are nurses, can you think of anything that they they could be doing for their friend nurse or you know sister nurse or whoever it may be to help them in these times um i think even just like a text like you know letting them know that they're doing a good job still because i think in the beginning we were doing this really well and it was very encouraging like people would like venmo each other like gift cards like starbucks like hey grab some coffee like it was really encouraging Mm. but because now we're like six months in (laughs) i always joke i always joke about this i like walked around my unit one day and i was like you're still important you're still a hero (laughs) you still matter (laughs) like you know i was just like we are still important people (laughs) because lunch stopped coming (laughs) Mm. um not that that's a measure but you know it's just like yeah how long can we do this for and you know it's not going away so um just encouraging texts like that and um you know ask them how they're doing like you know, did you, like, if they, like, ask them how their day went, maybe. Sometimes as nurses, we can't really share everything that we're facing because no one really knows that language and what we deal with. It's kind of unfamiliar. So we kind of stick with, like, sharing with our nurse friends and stuff like that. But um, if you have someone that's a nurse and they kind of try to tell you about their day, like, even if you don't know what it means or what's going on, just listening and, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, act interested. <laughs> Don't just be like, yeah, I'm hearing, I'm listening. But, you know, like, oh, and like, how did that make you feel? Like, even yeah. if it's empty, like sometimes we need to just talk it out too and let it out. And, you know, our nurse friends are, maybe they worked that same shift with us and they're tired too. We can't really talk to them right, <laughs> right away. Yeah. So, yeah, just that's my best uh, like advice or tip mm. <laughs> off to... the top of my head to be encouraging and also be a listening ear, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I think that's great. Also, okay, also one thing, this is my, this is not important, but this is a little pet peeve of mine as a nurse. Mm -hmm. Um, When businesses or like doctor's offices, you know, they make you fill out a form Mm -hmm. that says, you know, have you been, like they make you sign it basically, like I have not been in contact with anyone with the virus in the past 30 days. Well, as a nurse, like, then like what do I do <laughs> you know I've had coworkers oh. say the same thing like well this is literally my job so I can't mm-hmm. get a checkup and so some people will do like telehealth 
telehealth i'm telehealth, i don't yeah. know like where it's virtual but it's mm. like i just i don't see how that's fair you know mm. anyone can be working in an office and i don't see them swabbing them when they come inside to work every day you don't know mm. and like it's the people that are in the offices that they don't know that they're sick and they find out a week later and then the whole office is shut down like as a nurse i just feel like we're kind of being punished for going into work and being in contact. I mean, not even contact. We're the most protected, actually, mm. if you really want to be technical about yeah, it. Yeah. Like, we're the ones really wearing the masks and everything, protecting ourselves. So that's just one pet peeve of mine because I went to get my eyes checked and I, I just straight up signed it. I said, yeah, you know what? Like, I need contacts. <laughs> <laughs> well, what am I? How are you going to, like, look yeah. at my eyes? Yeah. It, like, virtually, you can't. And so... I didn't even feel bad. <laughs> I wore my mask. I kept a distance. I was safe about it. But I think that was just a little weird to me. Mm. I don't know. Don't come at me, please. <laughs> I I do understand, like, everyone has a right to protect themselves and businesses and whatnot. But, man, like, when it comes to, like, checkups, like, let's not... Yeah. Let's not <laughs> dismiss nurses and doctors because they're treating and taking care of people. Like... Mm. I don't know. That was just my No, that pet that pet is pet. a that's a good point that you bring up because it's odd that they should have like a separate column that says, "Well, are you are you a healthcare professional?" Yeah, then, yeah. If you are, then you should be able to. Yeah. And then like if you need to accommodate me separately or something, yeah. like, you know, let's do that. But don't dismiss me and say, "We'll see you online." Like yeah. I'm not going to see you online. Yeah. <laughs> like and that's, you know, like, yeah, you're right. You know how, like, several months ago, everyone was saying, oh, nurses and doctors, you're heroes and all that kind of stuff. But is that really how you treat your hero? Like, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> then for me, it was like, well, then just don't call me a hero. I don't even, did I ask for that? <laughs> I didn't even ask for that. <laughs> like. At least keep uh, it consistent. Yeah. Right. And anyways, even if you didn't do that, like, this is why we're in this profession. Like, mm. you know, we chose this. We know what we got ourselves into. And. You know, some doctors and nurses don't, and they're like, oh, I can't, you know, work with them. I mean, that's their own issue. But I feel like for the most part, healthcare workers that signed up for this, they did it knowing what they were signing up for. You know, that's why to all my uh, <laughs> fellow, you know, high school, college students, you know, make sure you want to do, you know, healthcare mm. before just jumping into it because you don't know, like, if this pandemic is something that you don't want to deal with, then. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Think twice yeah. about it. Go into law school then. <laughs> or I don't know. <laughs> do what you feel God is calling you to do, not what your parents are calling you to do. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> good advice. That's good advice. All right. Um, I, we're at the hour mark, but there's something yes. else I wanted to talk to you about. So we're going to let it go over a little bit today. Okay. Uh, sorry. I talk a lot. No, no, no. This is, it was all really good stuff. Um, but I want to talk to you, like, I wanted to fit it into your story, but I didn't see a good opening, so I'm just going to ask, how did you get into the creation of felt decorations? Because <laughs> uh, for those of you who know, the person behind the uh, People of Victory Instagram, oh my gosh. did you recently change the name to People of Victory 431? I, I did, because, um, yes, so I'll, I'll talk about it. Okay. My, this came up maybe I guess it was just only a year ago um, I really liked fashion design and so I really liked making stuff and so uh, that would have been the I opening 
I could have fit it in go. there. Oh, no, no. It, <laughs> I didn't even correl- like relate the two, but um, because I lost that, I think when this pan, like when nursing was new to me, I said pandemic, when nursing was really new to me, um, like I was really stressed. I think this was my self-care, making mm-hmm. stuff and things like that. And then, um, you know, I got into this whole identity thing. Like, if I'm not a good nurse, then what am I? Like, I suck, you know? And, you know, it kind of attacks your confidence at work. Like, you kind of feel stupid sometimes. Like, if a doctor says something and it was, like, very obvious and you don't catch it, you're like, oh, I suck, <laughs> you know? And you, I kind of placed my worth in how good of a nurse I was. And so then I was like, no, 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 this is not right. Mm. And then, you know, I had to go back to the Lord. And then, um, you know, that's why our identity in... God is so important because, you know, that has to be the one and only thing that defines us and not anything else. So I went back to that and then I thought of like our names, you know, in the Bible, they they were naming children and it had meaning, you know, Mm. Um, you know, like in the Bible on the bottom, it says, you know, like this name means this and this, you know. And so I just thought, oh, you know, like our names are very important. I don't even think like our parents realize, you know, maybe they named you without a thought. Like my my name, there was no thought to it. It was just, it's pretty. But mm-hmm. I know that there's some divine naming happening, even mm-hmm. in those moments. So I think I got a gift from someone in the past and they wrote my name and the meaning. So my name means people of victory. So that's where oh. the Instagram handle for my felt stuff came Uh from I just decided you know let's just do it my name Mm -hmm. people of victory and then I really wanted to make name banners because um, everyone around me were having kids Mm -hmm. (laughs) and what do you buy a newborn I don't know (laughs) so I thought (laughs) I'm just gonna make this and they can hang it on their wall or hang it on their door and you know just decoration sentimental handmade like you can't buy this Mm Maybe you can now. But anyways, back then there I was making go. it as gifts. <laughs> That's how it started. And I also wanted, you know, to do names because, you know, every newborn baby is given a name and that name holds meaning. And I'm sure like God. Oh, yes, I am sure. God definitely has, you know, planned everything out for them even before they were born and Mm -hmm. you know they need to know this and they need to seek God and find out who they are in God and then live out the exact destiny and plan and life-fulfilling purpose that God has put on their life like yeah that's that's what you're put on this earth for Mm -hmm. not to just you know (laughs) just get a job and whatever I mean that too but just watch uh, blockbuster movies for three months yeah like that is is your name blockbuster is your name hollywood no i don't think so (laughs) so that's kind of where it came from and then the 43 one is the verse from isaiah and um you know i don't have it memorized because this is how i am you guys i am not you know i would have loved to have just memorized it but um it's become like a very encouraging verse um I don't even have it, like, saved anywhere. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, but I do want to read it because yeah. um, it's... Oh, gosh, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's okay because this is not my identity. Okay. <laughs> it says, um, 
But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Um, And I think that really defines you. Like, you are his. (laughs) That's it. Um, And so no matter what your name is, and some, some meanings, like I couldn't find like a biblical meaning. And so I had to just ask them like, you know, what did your parents name you like? But why did they choose this name? You know, maybe that's why. Oh, like, perfect. Like, Aisley. There was no biblical name for Aisley. But, mm-hmm. like, you know, the heart behind naming her that, you know, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like, it doesn't matter if I can't find it in the Bible or whatever. Yeah. Like, every baby, every person, every yeah. name is yeah. important. The banner you made for Aisley, by the way, it's, it's still in her nursery so pretty i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> attach a photo of it on the instagram post that goes out <laughs> yeah yeah so um and you kind of alluded um to the fact that maybe now these banners might be available for purchase um is that is that something that's happening or is that something you're working toward <laughs> i i'm going to keep working towards it i think mm. um i'm just I'm just being a scaredy cat. I, I'm also just concerned with like time because I am picking up extra shifts because uh. um, we're really short in the hospital, but that's an excuse. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, if anything, sometimes like if it's like, I'm kind of just taking orders through the uh, Instagram, like just messaging because I had an Etsy, but man, I'm just grandma with technology. <laughs> I don't know. So I'm just kind of doing it over direct messages. Gotcha. If you're interested, um, guys, if if you know someone who is having a baby, this is like one of the most precious, best gifts that they can get. It's oh, so worth too it. Kind. And also, it's one of a kind. You know, you make it custom for every name. So, you know, this is true. Yeah, it's the the name banner of Aisley that we have in her nursery. There's none like it anywhere else in the world. So, <laughs> that's very, right. Yeah, it's very <laughs> awesome. So uh, yeah, that's that's great. I think listeners, I think we should encourage Nicole to uh, start up an actual <laughs> Etsy page uh, to uh, uh. <laughs> to move toward that because yeah, I think it's it's really it's such a good gift to give. You know, even if it isn't for newborns, even if it's just for someone who's been alive yeah. for many years. Yeah, Absolutely, you could do capital letters for grown-ups. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and and that's the great thing. You can actually like ask her, "Hey, can you do lowercase capital?" Like you can kind of provide input because she's going to be making it. You know, that's yes. awesome. Yeah. Yes. So yes. I I encourage you, Nicole. Uh, to Thank you. Keep at it. And, oh yeah. gosh, yes. He, you are the person that keeps me accountable always <laughs> with this uh, banner business. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, uh, well. well Nicole, thank you so much for uh, being on today. It's, it was, uh, I actually didn't really have an idea of what we would end up talking about, but we, I think we talked about so many good things, um, like your upbringing, your, like the whole situation in the hospitals, and even your um, People of Victory. I actually had no idea your name meant People of Victory. I oh, thought, yeah. Yeah. So that was really yeah. interesting to hear. And yeah. any yeah. last parting thoughts before we uh, close for today? Um, Just thanks for having me. I hope I didn't um, ramble on too much about nothing and that it's 
encouraging to someone. <laughs> um, and yes, I am available if anyone would like to talk. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. Thanks for having me. It's always yeah. fun doing yeah. this. <laughs> awesome. Well, if, if you do want to uh, contact Nicole or give her encouragement or anything like that, um, any of those messages can be sent via email at ishthtpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at I hope to hear this or on Twitter at ishthtpodcast. And any messages meant from Nicole um, will definitely go to her. And on if you check out our Instagram post uh, associated with this episode, I will have linked uh, or tagged Nicole's account and her People of Victory account. So you can go check out all of that. So guys, thank you so much for listening. Wear your masks, be safe out there. And um, if you have any nurse friends or family members, just send them an encouraging word. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, and I'll, we'll talk to you next time. Bye.